Hello, I am that same old brand new me, Oz. And I'm opulent bitch, it means I own everything. Ray. And welcome to... Skin... Uh... Where skinny thoughts share skinny thoughts. Welcome back to this season where we're reviewing RuPaul's Drag Race All-Star Season 5. This week, our season finale, Episode 8. As the queens walk back into the workroom, they decide to open the box to look at whose lipsticks were chosen, and it's no surprise that aside from the two lipsticks for Blair from Shay and Juju, the last lipstick is for Juju, put in by Blair. At this point, Juju is the weakest track record-wise of the three, as she has one win, and well, I guess one reading mini-challenge win, but one win compared to Shay's two and Cracker's three, but we're really so close here, we are kind of splitting hands. Indeed, because wins aside, you also have three very compelling narratives that could sway the decision of who wins. Juju competed on the show three separate times and finally secured her first maxi challenge win, but also lost her first lip sync. Will third time truly be the charm? And then we have Cracker, whose run on season 10 had two major conflicts she seems to have mostly broken away from here on All Stars. First was her being constantly stuck in her own head, and also the constant comparisons to Season 10's eventual winner, Aquaria, who came off as a younger, more polished, all-around better version of Cracker. And of course, there's Shea Coulee, who secured four maxi-challenge wins in Season 9, which clearly made her the one to beat that season, but who could have seen Sasha Velour's infamous rose petals coming? Even the queens know that this was the most likely top three for the season, and I think one of the strongest set of All-Stars finalists ever. Anyhow, the queens untuck for the night, ready to slay their final day. So it's a new day, and we see that the returning queens are sneaking their way back into the workroom and hiding behind a glory hole? What's that random thing doing here? <laughs> yeah. In any case, I wonder what the returning queens could be back for. In past seasons, the queens have always returned for some stunt a la classic RuPaul fashion. In season 3, the queens formed a jury to decide the top two, while in seasons 2 and 4, the queens had chances to return back to the competition off of main challenges and lip syncs. So I wonder if RuPaul has another trick up her sleeve planned for us this season. Well, it turns out that the girls are back for a little kiki because Ru wants nothing to be left unsaid. Mama, the drama of it all. And this week, in classic finale fashion, the girls are going to be writing verses and learning choreography to RuPaul's new song, Clap Back. I'm surprised that the song for this finale is going to be Clap Back. I've never heard it before and I was thinking that it would have been Be Someone, right? Which has been the runway theme of the season all along. Well, I thought it'd have been Bring Back My Girls and Hear Me Out. I know it was used in the season 12 finale, but it didn't make sense to me that they'd so heavily use it in the season's promo and ads and then not touch it at all. In fact, I'd argue that Using the original song in the season 12 finale would be a good move to start generating hype for the song, then have it more prominently featured in the All-Stars promo and marketing, 
And then finally have the All Stars 5 remix of Bring Back My Girls drop. Plus, it does seem more fitting for an All Star season since you're literally bringing back girls from past seasons to compete. And personally, Clapback doesn't seem to fit the vibe of the season very much since most of this set of girls gave me more RuPaul's best friend race vibes than, you know, being shady and fighting each other and clapping back. In any case, Ru leaves the girls to have their own reunion and they sit down on the couches to unpack the dramas this season one by one. I think getting to hear Mariah's voice on the show in particular was nice. I think her elimination was way too soon for me personally. And going back to Angina's and Mayhem's self-eliminations, I think we can all really empathize with her feelings here. Imagine going home early only to find out that the next week someone voted for themselves to go home. That was probably truly upsetting, especially considering how much more Mariah had to give. And of course, there's also the elephant in the room. India's rumour about Alexis campaigning to send Shay home. This was kinda anticlimactic if I'm being honest, because once the eliminated queens got over the shock of there being all these alliances and drama while they're gone, it was just more or less, oh, so India blew her alliances out of her portion and lied to save the skin, which refers back to that alliance she made with Mayhem way back in episode 1 which explains why India didn't eliminate Mayhem when she could. Well, I guess that has finally settled the whole campaigning drama once and for all. I will admit, India's act really did fool me, and I actually did think that Alexis had done something shady towards Shay. Well, I guess Derek's words in episode 1 were perfectly prophetic when she said to India, you're two-faced, and I don't F with two-faced people. In any case, we are not here to hate on or witch-hunt any of the girls, so let's move on. The girls are gonna learn choreo, courtesy of our in-house dancing diva, Chodrick Hall. Now, right off the bat, it definitely does seem like Shay is the most competent in dancing of the trio, while Juju B is definitely the weakest. I mean, as she jokes, am I flexible? Well, if you call me at 6 and I need to be there at 7, I'll be there at 7. But are my muscles flexible? <laughs> no. <laughs> oh, big mood. But before we break down Todrick's interesting approach to choreo, if there's one constant in all of this, it's our darling Blair St. Clair, who seems to have picked up literally everyone else's choreography immediately, ready to swoop in and replace a queen at a moment's notice. Can we give her an honorary prize for doing the absolute most today? Now, going back to Todrick's arbitrary difficulty assigning, Juju isn't strong with choreo, but still gets lifted and flipped and also, okay, there's a little element of challenging her and pushing her boundaries. Cracker says she's a white girl, so she's always offbeat, and believe me, it shows. So Todrick scales down for her, sure, okay, and she is the strongest dancer of the three. So you know what? Let's give her a disproportionately bigger challenge compared to the rest. Let's have her sit on someone's shoulders and then cartwheel onto the next person's shoulders. Yeah, Shay says that Todrick might be overestimating how quick she can catch on to choreo. But actually, in all honesty, as a viewer, that isn't showing. And I think Shay's just looking like such an absolute powerhouse now, which is 
Perfect for her as we are moving so close to the finish line. After the dance practice, our top three cool down and head over to record their episodes of the official What's the Tea podcast hosted by RuPaul and Michelle Visage. I'm sure everyone had a great deal of mileage talking on the podcast in its full version and episode, but based off of what was cut for us to see on the episode, Shay's little segment definitely seemed the most heartwarming, embracing her narratives with the processing of her family's trauma and the ordeal of her season 9 obstacles. Yep, I always love these little heart-to-hearts that the finalists have with Michelle and Rue, because they're a really intimate look into the mind and inner workings of the queens, so you really get a good idea of who they are as people and artists through this really chill and relaxed interview, which doesn't seem as laden with the stress of the competition compared to other clips like confessionals. With all the tension and high stakes of the finale coming up soon, this is a good, fuzzy, heartwarming moment before it. Mm-hmm. And now, just get right up in the face and clap back. We now move into the maxi challenge of the finale, the clap back performance. And before we even get into it, can I just say that it is super sweet that the other queens of the season are also part of the performance. And dancing together with the top three, it really feels like this whole season has come full circle. Agreed. Although it does seem a little like they stole Bibi Zahara Benet's idea from All Stars 3, where she thought the remaining queens were returning as backup dancers instead of the jury deciding the top two. But our first burst of the song is Juju, who delivered both in singing and choreo. For how much flag Juju got for not being a great dancer, I thought her performance was pretty lit, especially thanks to the dancers who helped her with a lot of the routine, right? Such as the flip upside down. Next up in the verses, we have Miss Cracker with a pastel 50s housewife vibe and her concept being all about baking and, well, dinner. I thought this was perfectly adorable and on-brand for Cracker. And her first line, make haters eat it like time for dinner, was perfect, I think. Of all the verses, I think Cracker's was most on-brand, with the whole 50s aesthetic and referring to a time-for-dinner catchphrase. I loved the overall pastel vibes and that really sweet, appreciative line, to all the fans who love us, you're what we live for. So lastly was Shay, who, as expected, was in tip-top shape flawlessly executing both the verse and choreo. Yes, even that flip. My only critique is I feel this isn't her strongest verse compared to other songs of hers like Cocky and Creme Brulee, or even her verse in Season 9's category is, but compared to everything else, this is an incredibly minor nitpick because we expected perfection and she delivered. Mm-hmm. I think the perfect word to describe Shay in one simple word is just professional. There are no other words to describe her performance, I think. She looked really comfortable in her verse and even effortless. Mm-hmm. I don't know about you, but I feel that while each individual verse, and even that moment with all 10 girls dancing together at the end, was good if you see it on its own. The song as a whole felt pretty forgettable and underwhelming compared to past All-Stars Finals remixes, so All-Stars 2's Red You Wrote You remains undefeated once more. Truthfully, if you asked me to perfectly sing a verse from Clapback from Memory, I probably wouldn't be able to because the first verse that comes into my mind is 
Bob the Drag Queen's verse that she performed on the pit stop, and she doesn't even go here. I feel Bob's verse is closer to what I was expecting from a song like this, because she stayed completely on topic with a strong verse that's a clapback in and of itself, and with the post-first reference very in character, so that's why I was a bit let down by the verses we actually got, and why, among the three, I think Cracker, who's coincidentally Bob's drag daughter, had the strongest verse of the top three, and the next most memorable verse after Bob. Yeah, I think I agree with you a lot. And like linking back to what you said about how clapback doesn't really seem to fit the vibe of the girls, <laughs> I think the three girls that we have are really more about uplifting themselves rather than clapping back at other people, which is why seeing Bob's wonderfully abrasive verse in the pit stop felt so wonderful and so in character with the clapback song. But in any case, yeah, I completely agree with you. This song was alright, but it definitely pales in comparison to Read You Wrote You. Mm-hmm. And now, for the last time this season, let's bring it to the runway. Runway, run, run. Runway category is All Stars Eleganza. For this year's All Stars, they let all the queens, including eliminated queens, showcase their final runway, which is nice because we all know how much coin they spend on their looks. But for us, this just means way more fashion to take in. First up, we have Miss Derek Berry, who comes out in this silvery grey airline gown and blonde hair, looking very much like Elsa the Snow Queen. I think this is a soft toot for me. Granted, the look doesn't seem like it suits Derek very well per se, but I think the outfit itself is finessed very well. I love the pleats that go along down the skirt, as well as the length of the skirt itself very much. Although I feel that there could have been a bit more drama to the outfit, especially on the top. Agreed. Soft too. I love that Derek's not dressed in something vaguely Britney-esque like she's done in the past, but it really seems like she has evolved and carved out her own identity as Derek Berry. And it shows in this costume choice. Absolutely gorgeous, especially the crown detail. My only critique is that, unfortunately, I do feel the wig was slightly messy as well and could have been a bit of a more natural-looking side sweep, perhaps by braiding the hair to really drive home the Elsa image. Up next, Angina. Toot. Need I say more? This gives off a very high-fashion vibe, I could definitely see this being worn at a Met Gala or a fashion show. Usually I'm sick of this silhouette on dresses, particularly tulle dresses, which are short in the front and long in the back, but the way Angina's done it with the fabric billowing up around her is simply a breath of fresh air. Yeah, this look is really good. Toot. The dress gives off a very Parisian vibe with the cut, as well as the fascinator and the newspaper print. Um, Angina uses this silhouette so much, and it must be for a reason, and that's because it definitely fits her well given her petite physique. Next, we have Mariah Paris Balenciaga. Mariah comes out in this blue-on-blue trumpet gown that's in a pale blue, with deep azure blue petals cascading across her torso and down her train. I'm not super gussed about this look, unfortunately. 
at least for how it reads on camera, because I think the material did not translate very nicely across onto our screens, at least for the pale blue parts of the dress. Same reasons here, it's a soft toot for me. I love her makeup and her little details like her bracelets matching the petal colours, but as a whole, I'm afraid it wasn't really my thing. Now following Mariah, we have Mayhem, who is also a soft toot for me because I love her idea, but I just wish she developed it more with a few tweaks. For example, I love the puffy sleeves and train moment contrasting the tailored and tightly fitted pantsuit, but perhaps the train could have been a little longer and gone way out behind her instead of that barely touching floor length. Yep. I... Similar to you, I actually like Mayhem's concept going into the outfit. The idea of wearing pants on the runway, as well as that tangerine colour, is absolutely divine. However, I, like you said, I think that the outfit that she actually presented left me a bit wanting because it should have been dragged up e- even more. I think her cape train could have been even fuller and wider and that would have made the outfit undeniably exquisite. Up next, India. India comes out in this nude gown with turquoise gems and feather accents going around the body, the tender parts, and trailing into the bottom trumpet of the gown. Hmm, I'm not sure of this look. I mean, it does look good, but there's just something missing with it. What do you think? Yeah, I'm sorry this is a boot for me. I agree that it could have been more. For example, feathers are usually a volumizing element to a look, but they seemed really flat in this dress, so the design or number of feathers might need to change so it's more dramatic. But my main issue is just, I simply am not a fan of nude gowns. In terms of practicality, for me as a woman, nude gowns, especially the super super revealing ones like this, are just an accident waiting to happen, but... That aside, the design just isn't my thing. Next to the stage, Alexis Mateo. Mm, I don't know about this one, actually. Alexis is a pretty fashionable queen, but I think this dress has the same problem as Blair's dress from the Backyard Ball, which is that too much is happening. I just wish that it could have been scaled back a little more so we have one key element to focus on. And my preference is, of course, those gorgeous ruffles on the sleeve and train. Instead of having to contend with all those additional feathers and silver appliques and all of that. Yep, I think you took the words right out of my mouth. I also don't know about this look. It just feels like, like you said, there's a bit too much going on with the different prints, stripes and feathers all going on. And I didn't particularly like the red hair with it either. But most of all, I think that most of the dress feels very professional and uptight with the stripes print, right? And that really doesn't feel like it fits Alexis at all. And more like India, actually, if we recall her hound's tooth, three looks in one runway from episode three. Blair Sinclair is up next and she comes out in a crystal and crusted and spiked bodysuit with a pink gown running across half of her body and across her back. This is a shoot for me. I think the best part of her look is her hair, which has been styled into a crown. I think we can really kind of see this kind of narrative from Blair 
like lining up with her prom look where there's a lot of gender bending and playing with both masculine and feminine and elements in the runway. But on top of that, this whole look just reads as exquisite and elaborate. And with the crown, it feels royal even. I do declare. It's a shoot for me too for Miss Blair St. Clair. Blair is our first of the three consecutive Diego Montoya looks tonight, and it's not hard to see why this is a shoot. Every single intricate creation of Diego's is a walking work of art. I genuinely don't know if there's a single Diego look I hate, plus Blair really added her own beautiful personal style with the elaborate styling of her wig into the crown. Absolutely jaw-dropping, spectacular, it's my top shoot of the week. Our second Diego Montoya piece is worn by Jujubee, which comes complete with long nails, a headpiece looking like the sun or a halo, and an orange velvet sash draped across. Of course it's a two, because as someone pointed out, this look very closely resembles Buddha, and All Stars 5 can definitely be seen as Juju's journey in ascending to the most elevated and refined version of herself in a drag. Her nirvana, if you will. So it's a very full circle moment for her on the show. <laughs> That's a very meta take on the outfit. But yeah, I do completely agree with you. Although I'm not sure if I would have liked the headpiece to be just a bit bigger to proportionize her body just a bit better. Next up is Miss Cracker, who comes out in this beautiful Russian-style pink gown with pearls all over and long blonde hair reaching all the way below her butt. Right? This is also a toot for me. I love how extravagant and over-the-top it is, as we know how many of these more historical and traditional garments can be. I must say that taking a look at these three Diego Montoya outfits, right, Blair's, but especially Juju's and Cracker's outfits, given how queens are increasingly outsourcing looks to designers, picking something that has a strong cultural reference point and just tossing it to a designer seems to be a surefire way to pull off something great on the runway. I mean, it will be quite hard to hate on something that culturally specific. And after all, the judges are suckers for indiv individuality, so... Heritage definitely falls pretty nicely and easily into that. Cracker's look is our final Diego Montoya look of the night, I believe, and it's a very strong toot for me. I don't have much to say about it because it's such a solidly beautiful look all around, I wish I could steal it. It feels very Russian and intricate, and overall it's so refined and gorgeous, so it's really easy to see why Diego Montoya is a favorite designer of queens, including Sasha Velour, especially. Toot. Lastly is Shea Coulee, whose Victor Luna designed and made dress was inspired by her own mom's prom dress and influenced by Balenciaga. Yet another toot, proving just how strong all our top three are. I love the oversized campy proportions of it, and it overall gives me this very dreamy, ethereal bubblegum fantasy. Very loud toot. Yep, your thoughts echo mine just the same. I also really love the silhouette in particular because it's not something we see very often, especially in drag race, where queens are always told to cinch and pad. This kind of oriental silhouette, I actually can't really remember a lot of instances of it off the top of my head. Um, what comes to mind are Miss Fame's ugliest dress. 
as well as kimchi's uh, hanbok, right? But yeah, this kind of oriental silhouette is indeed very refreshing as a result and well elaborate. So the judges give their critiques for the girls' runway presentations as well as their performances of clap back. And Rue decides that all three of the girls will get the chance to lip sync for their legacy. The girls have their last chance to prove to Rue what their star quality is compared to the other girls and they have to lip sync to make me feel by the incredible Janelle Monet. Well, in terms of the lip sync, I actually wasn't really feeling it so hard, sorry. I think of the three, Shay embodied the vibes of the song the most, but for Cracker and Juju, it felt like they were doing the most, like, you know, Cracker's glitter tits reveal, but it didn't match the mood of the song. So I legit laughed when Shay copied Cracker's crab scuttle across the stage. Hmm, yeah, I think this lip sync and song in general is nowhere near as iconic as some of the past ones this show has had in its history. And yep, I do agree with you that Shay probably fit the vibe of the song best, and that Juju and Cracker did not as much, even if they did give their A-game and throw the kitchen sink and everything at the song. And while I don't think this lip sync in and of itself is that strong a deciding factor for the crown, I do think in some sense the lip sync, retrospectively, kind of looks like a microcosm for our top three in the competition and as competitors. Cracker being quirky, Juju being infectious, but Shay being drop-dead, exquisite perfection. So the time has come to crown our queen, and RuPaul declares that the winner of All Stars 5 is... Drumroll, please! Shay Calais! I don't think there was ever a doubt that Shay was in it to win it, right from her track record and from the start, and whilst I am a cracker stand, I just don't think this run was iconic, authentic, and comfortable enough for it to be cracker's time. And Juju is, make no mistake about it, iconic in and of herself in her own right, but I think there's just no surpassing Shay's level of exceptionalism in this competition. And I think most of all, Shay is very personable and real in that we can see all of ourselves and our weaknesses and vulnerabilities in her. So that makes her a true winner in my eyes. Well, as a Shay stan, can I just say... <laughs> Were we surprised? But really, I do feel for Juju. She's been on the show three times and all of those times she ended up in third place. But then again... I feel like the fandom would have rioted if anyone other than Shay won because now the top four of season nine are almost all winners except for Peppermint. Will Peppermint win a future all-star season? I suppose only time will tell but well this marks the end of this all-star season as well as the end of this season of Skinny Thoughts. We've been Ray and Oz, and from the bottom of our hearts, thank you all so, so much for following us on our journey throughout All Stars 5 and all our hot takes every single week. We don't have any concrete plans for Skinny Thoughts and future seasons as of yet, 
but we're sure something will come out down the pipeline in the future, so stay tuned. With that, see you next time on... Skinny Thoughts.